First uh, Corinthians 13, chapter verse number one. Uh, and then Paul here again writes this. And I want to bring this up because as we go over these different spiritual gifts, we've covered uh, some the last two sessions. But I, I don't want us to miss this and remember this. Uh, it says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become, well, let's go, NL, NLT says, if I could speak all the language of the earth and the angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2 says, if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. Look at what he says here, verse 3. He says, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Next verse, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. It says, or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. He goes on to say, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, no, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. He says, now knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even to get the prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when full understanding comes, these partial things will become useless. Now, let's stop right here. Because basically what Paul says here is, is that these spiritual gifts that we're talking about, if love is not the motivation for utilizing these gifts, then it really doesn't profit anything. Okay, I want you to write down two two words, and if you have if you have that the book, uh, you can go to page one hundred two. Uh, but if you don't have the book, what you just write down these two words. The first word is servanthood. Everybody say servanthood. Servanthood, and the next word is. Servility, S-E-R-V-I-L-I-T-Y, servility. We're going to have look at servanthood and then servility because this is really important when it comes to how these gifts operate. Uh, servanthood, that term embodies serving with love. Okay, servanthood embodies serving with love. Okay, servility embodies serving without love. How many of you know you can do something for somebody, you can help somebody, you can even bless somebody and not do it out of love? Sometimes people do stuff out of uh, obligation and constraint because they feel like they are forced to do it. But servanthood means serving with love. Civility means serving without love. Um, A person who's operating in servanthood serves out of, write this down, serves out of obedience. Obedience. In other words, they say, I want to serve God. A person who's uh, operating out of servanthood serves out of obedience. They say, I want to serve God. A person who is serving out of civility serves out of obligation. Okay? So you can make sure you look sharp here. Servanthood, they serve out of, ob- out of obedience in other words, I want to serve God, and servility means that they serve out of obligation. They feel like they have to serve God. You got that? All right, next thing. When you're operating out of, in a servanthood mindset, you are, motivated, you are motivated by what God says. Servanthood people are motivated by what God says. 
Okay? In other words, I'm serving an audience of God. I'm serving an audience of God. He, he's the one I'm, I'm, I'm trying to please. So servanthood people are motivated by what God say, what God sees. In other words, they serve an audience of God. Uh, a servant out of some one, really. God is the one that you're trying to please. People who, who serve out of civility, they are motivated by what others see. Okay, y'all got that? Civility is motivated by what others see. They motivate by what other people, and, and, and they serve to please others. So let's back up and get that. Servanthood people are motivated by what God sees, and they serve an audience of one, and that one is that audience of one is whom? God. If you're serving out of civility, you serve, you're motivated by what other people see and you serve to please others. You want others to be pleased. You want to get the pats on the back. And when you don't get those pats on the back and when you don't, people don't tell you, attaboy, you did a great job, you, you kind of get discouraged. All right. But we want to be we want to be motivated by what God sees and not what others see. One of two more things right here. Servanthood, people who have a mindset of servanthood, they have an attitude of whatever it takes. People who have a a servanthood mindset have an attitude of whatever it takes. Yeah, with me? And people who have an attitude of civility have an attitude of, it's not my job. It ain't my job. I'm an usher. I ain't no parking lot guy. I ain't going out there and with the parking lot. I'm an usher. I'm holding this door. It's not my job. And they do, people who have an attitude, they do the minimum. They do just enough uh, to make it seem like they're still trying to do something. All right, all right. So you got that? They have an the first one. Servanthood has an attitude of whatever it takes. That that person goes beyond expectations. All right, but if you're serving out of civility, you have the attitude that's not my job. I'm gonna only do the minimum. You got me? All right. Lastly, uh, when you serve with an attitude of servanthood. The results are God glorifying. The results are God glorifying, all right? In other words, you direct attention to God and not yourself, all right? People who serve out of civility, the results are self-seeking, all right? They draw attention to themselves and they pridefully promote themselves. So there's two different attitudes as it relates to exercising spiritual gifts. Which one do you think we want to be in? Servanthood, obviously. Servanthood, okay? So uh, let's, let's get back to um, our um, get back to our, our outline. We left off on page nine on giving, okay? On giving. Hallelujah. On giving, giving, giving. Let's, let's, let's pick this apart right quick and, and move. Now, get, guys, all of us know that part of our responsibility as believers is to uh, is to give in the church, right? Is to give and to support the work of ministry. Now, what we're dealing with right here is the spiritual gift of giving. Everybody say spiritual gift of giving. Say it again. Say spiritual gift of giving. That's crucially important because if this gift, as we look at our outline here, this gift, uh, the literal meaning is to give part of or to share. The gift of giving uh, is the divine enablement to contribute money and resource to the work of the Lord 
with cheerfulness and liberality. People with this gift do not ask how much money do I need to give to God, but how much money do I need to live on? Can you imagine being in a position where um, your, your concern is, is to help finance uh, kingdom advancement? Your concern is, is, to, is to give of your resources to make sure that the work of ministry gets done. I'm, I'm here to tell you God is looking for people whom he can pour resources into. This gift of giving, when it's operational in a person's life, they actually um, uh, are, are liberal beyond what a lot of us are even comfortable with. Okay? Um, and so let's look at some of the distinctives of, of, of these people who have the ministry gift of giving. Uh, first of all, they manage their finances and limit their lifestyle in order to give as much as their resource, give as much of their resources as possible. Now, let, let me caution you. There are some of y'all who are, who are very generous people, but you don't manage your lifestyle very well. Okay, so, so it may be that God wants to do more through you, but he can't because right now you're at a stage where you don't handle your finances in the right way. And you'll give until you don't have anything. All right. The Bible says this. If there is first a willing heart, it is acceptable unto the Lord what a man has and not what he has not. In other words, what God says is, is you give out of what has been placed into your hands. And if I don't if I don't manage my 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 resources well enough, then even though God may want to use me um, in this gifting right here, he may not can't trust me to handle what he puts into my hand. How many of y'all have read the story of lottery winners? How many of y'all have read some of the horror stories of people who came into a bunch of money and did not know how to handle it? Have y'all read those stories? It's somewhat sad, isn't it? But I want to tell you something. That is typical of what will happen to you if you don't learn how to be a good steward over what the Lord bless you with. And furthermore, the Lord understands where exactly where we are and what he can entrust us with. So think about that for a second. If you're not happy where you are financially, maybe it's because God says you're not ready to handle more than what you have right now. That's, that, that, may not, that may not rest well with your spirit, but I'm here to tell you, God will not put you in a position where you're going to hurt yourself and hurt other people too. Right. Just like as a parent, you wouldn't go and give the keys to the car to your 10 year old. I hoped you wouldn't. Because he's going to mess himself up and somebody else up, too. Never driven before. You know, he's 10. He can't even see over over the, over the dashboard. Right. All right. So so watch this. People who have this distinction, they manage their finances and limit their lifestyle in order to give as much of their resources as possible. They support the work of ministry with sacrificial gifts to advance the kingdom. And they meet tangible needs that enable spiritual growth to occur. They provide resources generously and cheerfully, trusting God for his provision. They may have a special ability to make money, so they may use it to further God's work. You know, I don't know about you, but I like to read about people who who have means of wealth. And there are people uh, like Warren Buffett and and even uh, Bill Gates and them who give away millions, in some cases billions of dollars. I mean, they make a lot of money, but they give a lot of money away. 
And all of it is not just because of the tax write-off. They give a lot of money away because they recognize they have a responsibility uh, when you carry that much wealth. Uh, and so I would hope that we would have people here who would be candidates for God to bless you to be a millionaire. How many of y'all want to be that candidate? Anybody think you can handle it? I mean, really. I mean, really. What you going to do with your folks when they find out you got money? You already, they're already hitting you now. And you, ain't, you, ain't get, you got this limit over it money. How you going to handle them when they start talking about you? Because you don't continue to enable them. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Here's what I believe. I believe that this ministry gift, God wants to, to, to bless people in this body. I, I, I told you before, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, we have some, uh, some, uh, a group of people in this church who really have a heart for God and, and care about advancing the kingdom principles. And so God, you know, what God will do is he'll bless your hand so that you can bless others. Watch what it says. The people who have this trait are stewardship oriented. They're responsible. They're resourceful. They're charitable. They trust in God and they're disciplined. Okay. Now, uh, what are some of the cautions for people who have this gift? Uh, they need to esteem their gift, remembering that giving money and resources is a spiritual contribution to the body of Christ. It is. Okay. Need, they need to remember the church's agenda is determined by leaders and not by the giver's gift. Now, we, we don't necessarily as much here in predominantly African-American churches deal with this, but what about that predominantly Caucasian church that has that, the president of the bank who's on the deacon board or the guy who's a, a billionaire who's on the trustee board? Do you think that guy has a little bit more influence than the guy over here who's making $25,000 a year? Uh, it is, but it shouldn't be. By that I mean, in other words, Hear me carefully. Whenever, whatever you do in ministry should be done to the glory of God, first of all. And when you do something in ministry, what you have should not dictate and determine uh, how much influence you have. It, it, ministry should be God-led. Everybody say God-led. And not wealth-led. And there are in a lot of congregations where the person with the most money, with the most wealth, uh, carries the bigger stick. And um, one, here's one thing I've always said, and I've been here 30 years now, guys, and it hadn't failed me yet. I love every last one of y'all, but I don't trust you individually for the growth and the resources for this church. I trust God. I trust that God is going to bring people in who understand uh, how how to properly uh, uh, support the work of ministry and bring people in who understand that you can't do ministry without money. All right. But also, you know, people who understand that we're going to be good stewards of what God blesses us with. And so, so, so people come and people go. And when people come and people go, I don't, I don't, I don't wallow on the floor and holler and cry. I mean, thank God when they come, I don't get too high when they come and I don't get too low when they go. Because if you got any any type of church here, any church across this country, you gonna have people coming and you gonna have people going, right? And so prayerfully, uh, they're going for the right reason. They're coming for the right reason. All right. So um, look at what it says here. Um, 
The last thing is they need to guard against greed. All right, people who have the gift of giving have to guard against greed. Go to Luke 21 with me right quick. Come on, Luke 21. All right, look at what the text says. Y'all know this, uh, but I, I, I always like to repeat this because guys, when you read the Bible, every word counts. Let this sink down in your spirit. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. So what was Jesus doing? He was watching how people gave. Guess what? He watches how you give. Now, again, we don't do like some churches. Some churches uh, put your name on a roll and how much you gave. As a matter of fact, I think at one point in time we did that here years ago. And some churches still do that. Really what you give is between you and the Lord. Uh, but, but what I would tell you is you, you can't really, if you're going to be a spiritual leader, if you're going to be someone who, who follows God and have impact, you can't follow him in certain areas and not in other areas. And particularly if you're going to have impact, you got to learn how to follow God and his plan for giving in your life. All right. That's, that's paramount. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Verse two says what? Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. Watch this now. I tell you the truth. Jesus said this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. Listen to this. For they have given a tiny part of their what surplus. But she as poor as she is. Is getting everything she had. Now watch this. Jesus quantifies this. He, he says that as far as I'm concerned, this woman has given more than the rest of them, which tells me God looks at our giving differently than the way man looks at our giving. We usually look at it at the numerical amount and God is looking at the quality of our giving. Y'all know that, right? All right. So the gift of giving is, is, is very paramount. We need these kind of people in the church who, who give liberally and upward and above uh, what's even expected. OK, go over to Romans 12 and verse number eight. Look at that right quick and then we'll flip to the next one. So the gift of giving is one that is needed in the church because it takes money to do ministry. It took money to redesign this stage. It took money to build that sound booth and to move it out that corner so they can get a better uh, sound uh, thing. And, and sometimes people come in church, they don't even think about that. They never thought about the seats that I'm sitting on. That costs some money. Yeah. The air that freezes some of y'all on Sunday. And Tiffany brought a blanket tonight because she knew that we like to keep it a little cool in here so that you don't go to sleep. Amen. And so that, because see, when you're hot, you can't take nothing off. But when you're cold, you can put something on. Huh? It ain't getting hot in here. We ain't going to take off all your clothes. You keep your clothes on, all right? But it takes money to service those air conditioning units. People don't even think about that. When we get ready to do VBS coming up in July, it's going to take money to put gas in the van. It's going to take money to feed everybody those three nights. People just go over there to eat. They don't think. They don't, I, I promise you, 95% of people don't, don't ever think, how much does this cost and who paid for it? 
Please go and do it, right? But it takes money to do ministry. It takes money to buy those Sunday school books and those VBS books, educational material. Uh, Jesus had a treasure, so we have treasures. So we need people with the gift of giving. Watch what this text says here. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. Now watch this. We know that every last one of us are responsible for supporting the work of ministry, right? Here's what we do. We teach uh, this ministry support through tithes, offerings, and sacrificial giving, right? And as a result of that, God has been faithful in, in allowing us to increase every year for the past 30 years, all right, to bring in more than we brought in the previous year. That's, I'm, I don't say that to brag. I'm saying that just as a testimony to the faithfulness of God. Because during those 30 years, there have been t- periods where there's recession and there's been periods where the economy has been booming and the job market has been great. But, but even when the economy was down, our giving was up. God is good. Amen. Watch this. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, to others, do it gladly, okay? So the ministry gift of giving is critically important. Let's go to the next one. On page number 10, healing. This is, this is one I want you to hear me carefully on. The ministry gift of healing. The Holy Spirit gift of healing. Now, we've talked about this before. Healing here is to restore instantaneously. When this Holy Spirit gift of healing is in operation... And, and let me say this, nobody can turn it on and turn it off at their command. It operates as the spirit wills. Now, we all can pray and stand in faith for healing. But when the spiritual gift of healing is in operation, that's when blinded eyes are open instantaneously. Death ears are unstopped. Heat cancer cells dry up. You follow me? Uh, uh, arthritis goes away. When the gift of healing is in operation. But but description, the gift of healings is the divine enabler to be God's means for restoring people to wholeness. The Greek word is actually plural, healings, which indicate that different kinds of healings are possible with this gift. Emotional, relational, spiritual, and physical. Okay, so what are the distinctions? They demonstrate the power of God. They bring restoration to the sick and the disease. They authenticate a message from God through healing. You use healing as an opportunity to communicate a biblical truth and to see God glorified. Pray, touch, or speak words that miraculously bring healing to one's body. So what are the traits of people who have this gift? First one is what? People are compassionate, okay? They trust in God, they're prayerful, they're full of faith, they're humble, they're responsive, and they're obedient. So what are the cautions? They need to remember that it's not always their faith or the faith of the sick that determines the healing. But God who determines it. Now, that's real important. I want you to highlight that. Just because somebody doesn't get healed physically on this side don't mean you didn't have faith. Are y'all with me? That's important. Because there are some faith teachers who will tell you, well, you didn't have enough faith. That's why you didn't get healed. Nowhere in scripture can you find that, that line of teaching to be validated. There are times when God, and I don't know, that, that's one of those questions, guys, that we're going to ask God when we get to, on the other side. And we'll ask him, God, well, well some, some people got healed and some didn't. Uh, some received a miraculous healing uh, that the doctors could not explain. 
and it, they verified it as a miracle and others uh, you healed on the other side. Why was that God? That'd be a question that we got to ask. But one thing I, I will not do is question the wisdom of God. Listen, I'm, if, 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 I, if I'm sick and the doctor's giving up on me, I'm going to keep confessing what God says about me by his stripes I'm healed. Are you with me? So, so but again, they got to be, if God uses you with this gift, uh, he uses or he activates the gift of healings through you, you got to be very careful because you can probably, people who had this happen get a little, they start to think that it was them and their laying hands on people. That's why they advertise the meeting. Come to the meeting tonight. I'm going to lay hands on you and you're going to get healed. Well, you don't, we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to believe God for your healing. But if the gifts of healing are not in operation, instantaneous healing does not occur. Don't mean that you can't stand in faith and believe God and confess God for your healing. Amen. And, and as you go, you will heal. Okay. So, so just remember that we also need to realize that God does not promise to heal everyone who asks or is prayed for. It's also just remember that Jesus did not heal everyone who was sick or suffering while he was on earth. Go to Mark, the second chapter with me right quick. Mark chapter two, verse one through 12. Watch this. So healing is, is critically important. Does everybody understand that? So we saw over in Corinthians, these Holy Spirit gifts, they operate, uh, the Holy Spirit distributes to each man individually as he wills. We can't control when the Holy Ghost is going to, to activate this gifting. Just be open to receive it. Here's what I've learned in my life, and you'll learn this too. If I believe and I'm open to it, I can be used by God in this arena. If I'm, if I'm doubting and I carry unbelief, uh, doubt and unbelief is, is contrary to faith. Y'all with me? So we got to make sure that we don't, uh, you know, start not believing that what God, that God can't do what he said in his word. He's very able and capable of doing. Mark 2nd chapter, verse number one. Let's read. When Jesus returned to Capernaum seven days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Watch this. How I many, you know, wherever Jesus went, man, the word got out quick. Hey, listen, there's a stranger in town. He's giving the sight to the blind. He's the great emancipator. He's turning water into wine. Come on, y'all know that. Y'all remember that song? See, Jesus, whenever he went, crowds gathered around him. When you're doing something mighty for God, people are going to be attracted to you. Look at what it says. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room. Even outside the door, folks just crowding up while he was preaching God's word to them. Look at it. He's in the house preaching. Hey, you ain't got to work to church. You don't have to wait. You come to church to start preaching. Y'all know that, right? Preach in your apartment. Preach in your neighborhood. I mean, you know, within reason. Don't go knock on somebody's door and they didn't invite you. But I mean, you got neighbors that come over, share the word of God with them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on the mat. Y'all know the story. Come on, let's read. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Watch this. Seeing their faith, back up, back up. Seeing their faith. I thought faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So how did he see their faith? He saw, he saw their actions. And their, your actions will always indicate 
where your faith is. I, some of y'all missed that. that. That went over somebody's head. Your actions, Cassandra, will always demonstrate where your faith is. Let me say it again. Your actions will demonstrate where your faith is. When the Bible says give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will men give unto your bosom for with the same measure you meet out, it's going to be measured back on you. How many of y'all really believe that? No, uh, no, 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 no. How many of you really believe that? Now, come on now. Do you really believe that if I give, it'll be given back unto me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over? That reminds me when I was in elementary school, we had to, y'all, y'all remember, this is going way back, they had the little milk cartons, they still do that in school? They, they, they don't still do the little milk cartons? Oh, pouches? What's, what in the world is, what's, what's we going to do, pouches? Milk pouches? We had the little milk cartons. And then whenever, uh, if you were on for lunchroom duty, you know, those milk cartons would get start to pile up in the trash can. They'd be overflowing. And so what you have to do is get over there and press it down. We, we, we would even get over in the top of the trash can and press the, the milk cartons down so we can get some more over in there. Y'all with me? So, so now he says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down, shake it together, and run it over. Will men give in your bosom? For with the same measure that you get out, in proportion to what you give, he says it's going to be measured back unto you. So if, if you really believe that, what will stop you from giving if you know that when I give, it's going to be given back unto me? So your faith is going to be seen by whether or not you really give. Look at what the text says, seeing their faith. So if I believe that if I give, it's going to be given back unto me, why would I not give? The only reason why I wouldn't give is that I have doubts about whether or not it's going to come back to me. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are what? Forgiven. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's go. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, listen to this. What's he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Watch it. Watch it. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. How many of you know he knows immediately what you're thinking? You sit here right now, Jesus knows exactly what you're thinking. Some of y'all thinking, why is his voice sounding like that? Some of y'all thinking, I wonder if he's going to preach all his time up. Because he really needs to go home and go take something for that call. <laughs> Pastor don't sound right. See, all that going to your mind right now. So you got to capture those thoughts. Jesus knew immediately. Guys, Jesus knows immediately what we're thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say that a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? Next verse. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said this. Watch this. Stand up, pick up your mat and go on home. Go on. Go on. Go on. Y'all, y'all heard it? That's country. Go on. Get them out of here. Watch this. Verse 12. Watch this. And the man jumped up, grabbed this mat, and walked out through the stun only lookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. See, God has the power to heal. And I don't question that healing power. Even when 
what I'm praying for seemingly doesn't come to pass. I'm still standing on God's word. Go to the next one right quick. And we're going to try to close this one out. Okay. The Michigan said this, this, this is very important here. Helps. No ministry. Hear me carefully. No ministry can properly operate, operate without people serving in the ministry gifts of helps. I'm here to tell you, it, it will not flow if you don't have people with this gift. People with this gift aren't the ones who are up front. They're the ones who are doing the stuff behind the scene that people don't even realize needs to be done in order for that event, that program, uh, that whatever to go on. Okay, So literally it means to take the place of someone. Uh, the gifts of helps is a divine enablement. All of this is spirit, Holy Spirit inspired, inspired. The divine enablement to accomplish practical and necessary tasks which free up support and meet the needs of others. What are people, what are the distinctions of people who have this gift? They serve behind the scenes whenever needed to support the gifts and ministries of others. They seek the tangible and practical things to be done and enjoy doing them. They sense God's purpose and pleasure in meeting everyday responsibilities and they attach spiritual value to practical service. They enjoy knowing that they are freeing up others to do what God has called them to do. Now watch this right quick. Sherry was up here doing the inspirational word earlier, right? And guess what? In order for that word to get out for y'all to hear clearly, she used the microphone. Well, the microphone went out. Okay, just stopped. For whatever reason, it stopped. And so our sound folks were working, and Dominique and Kenny working, and then we ended up getting it back going. Now, I preach every Sunday and every Wednesday, and I need the microphone to project my voice, and not only to project my voice, but record the message on CD and on DVD. Brother Rod and them are, are, are shooting the DVD, shoot, shooting the, using the camera to shoot the DVDs. Now, guys, listen, that, that enables us to take the message. Uh, those people who are in those areas, and those areas are sort of like helps, area, they come under the category of helps, but they help get the word out. In other words, when our radio broadcast goes out, um, um, it's, it's going out because somebody has recorded the message on CD. Brother Leroy takes it, cuts it up, put it in this 28-minute, 30-second uh, time slot, and then we send it off and voila, there's the radio ministry. Uh, when we uh, put our videos out on the uh, website, uh, the video ministry, Brother Rod has to do that and get it all cut up, and Brother Jason take it and, and, put, and post it out to the website. When we were doing television, uh, same thing with television ministry. All those things were complementing the word being preached. But I'm up here preaching, but people behind the scenes making sure that the word gets out. Okay, y'all with me? All right, so watch this. People who have these traits are available. They're willing, they're helpful, they're reliable, they're loyal, dependable, they have a whatever-it-takes attitude. Look at what it takes. Look at the cautions. They need to be esteemed their gift. Remember that doing practical deeds is a spiritual contribution to the body of Christ. It is very much spiritual to help people in ministry, to be in the ministry of helps, just like, just like praying is. All right? Look at the next one. It says, um, uh, they find it difficult to say no. Sometimes people who, who have the ministry gifts of helps, they'll work themselves to death. And they'll have the, was it the Martha syndrome? I mean, you be trying to feed everybody, but you ain't spending no time praying. Thank God for your feeding, but you got to pray too. Can I get a witness? Is that what Jesus told him? Y'all don't remember that. When a girl got mad because her sister wasn't helping her. Have any of y'all ever got mad at your folks? 
because you were doing all the work. And by the way, by the way, this is this ain't gonna do the sermon. But if you go over somebody's house to eat, all right, and you see there's a lot, you know, you sat and you ate till you got full, and the kitchen needs to be cleaned up. You don't eat, you got full. Don't go in there and on the recline and go to sleep and watch everybody else clean up. That's just a pet peeve of mine. Help. If you don't, if if they say don't, no, I got it. That's one thing, but you don't even ask. You just eat, get full, and go to sleep. Help clean the kitchen, sweep the floor, take the trash out, do something. Everybody say do something. Are y'all with me? Uh, that, that that just I don't know who that's for, but that's one of the things that you know you need to have some helps at your house. Okay, husbands, husbands. Y'all got to help too. Wives, wives. Y'all got to help too. Singles, you got to help too. Because if you don't do it, ain't gonna, your house is going to really be nasty. Ain't nobody there but you. Okay? Watch this, watch this. Okay. So help. Watch this. They find it difficult to say no, and they need to be responsive to the priorities of leadership instead of setting their own agendas. Go, to, go with me right quick to Acts, the sixth chapter. Verse one through four, and we're going to try to close up after this. Y'all, y'all with me? Helps. Very, very important. Acts six. Let's read it. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The church was growing, y'all. It was growing exponentially. And the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. They had things in common, people that came from different parts of the globe at that point in time for the day of Pentecost, and they were still hanging around in, in Jerusalem. And so now we see where when the food was being distributed, some people were being left out. By the way, when a church has an eating event, Y'all know where I'm going with this, don't you? If you are serving, don't fix five or ten plates and put them in your car. You are there to serve the people. If it's a repast, a funeral repast, don't you go eat up the food from the bereaved family. Not a family bereaved at home because you don't. Come on, don't, don't do that. When we're serving, can I talk to us? Can I talk to the EBC folks? Because I don't see some of y'all now. So I'm, I'm telling you right now so that you won't get embarrassed the next time this happens. You wait until all our guests have eaten. We're feeding the bereaved family first. If you don't get something, you go home and get something. Amen? Put that cake, put that. Who cooked that? Put that. Sister Henry, Sister Henry, cook that piece, cobbler, put it, put it aside. You hide it. It's for the people. Amen. Y'all got that? So just, just, just a word of warning. VBS is coming up. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, the service. Y'all always do a good job with that. But, but when we have a funeral or something like that, or we have a guest church, you know, the guests go first. And then if there's something left, then we, you know, we'll do we'll, we'll feed. If you really let hungry, we'll feed you. I, I'll give you some money. Go to Piccadilly or something. I don't know. But learn how to serve. 
Okay, that's a pet peeve of mine. So, but anyhow, obviously this happened in the church here. They were complaining about getting left out of the food distribution because they had some folks like some EBC folks there. Not all y'all. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm being a little facetious, but at the same time, I'm being serious. I mean, there's a way to serve. And let's do stuff right. I, I like stuff done the right way. We ain't going to be all junkified and ghetto-ish in the way we do stuff, okay? All right, watch this, verse 2. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. Why did they call this meeting? Talk to me. Why did they call the meeting? Some people being mistreated, being discriminated in the food distribution, okay? So they called a meeting. Watch this. Um, it says this. Um, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running the food program. <laughs> That's what it said. And so, dear brothers, and so brothers, select, watch this, seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and of wisdom. What, what did he say? We will give them this responsibility. The KJV says who we may appoint over this business. And there's a lot of churches that that word business has been taken out of context to the point to where they, they tell the pastor, pastor, you ain't got nothing to do with the business of the church. You come preach. The Bible says these deacons here were pointing over the business. Well, what was the business? The business was what? Food distribution. Serving tables. Some of them deacons at the average church, won't, they run when you talk about serving the table. That's what they were dealing with. They were talking about the ministry gifts of help, not the business or the finances of the church. And so, so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Verse number four, watch this. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and what? Teaching the word. So, so they, they, they picked out seven men to help in food distribution. The ministry gift of help is critically important in the church. All right, last one, hospitality. And this kind of goes along with it hand in hand. Ministry gift of hospitality. It means to love, literally means to love strangers. The gift of hospitality is the divine enablement to care for people by providing fellowship, food, and what? And shelter. What are the distinctions? These people provide an environment where people feel valued and cared for. They meet new people and help them to feel welcome. Um, that's why it's important, guys. You only get one chance to make a first impression. Y'all with me? And that's why, you know, our greeters and our hospitality ministry, whenever we are serving people, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. You know, and I'm thankful for this. I've gotten uh, some glowing reports on how you guys serve, especially when it's uh, a bereaved family or a wedding or whatever it is. You guys have done a yeoman's job by and large, except, you know, we have to try to shut people down trying to steal the food. But other than that, that's not, that's not as big of a problem as it used to be. So I'm, I'm, be, I'm, I'm just I'm being lighthearted there, okay? But you guys, I, I, I can't tell you the amount of positive feedback I've gotten for how you guys serve and, and how you make people feel welcome here in this church. I'm, I'm telling you. It, it, man, if, if you could have just looked at looked at me, my, my my chest was just swelling up every time they said that because I, I thank God 
for the type of people that we have here who are stepped forward and say, you know what? There's a need here and we're going to help. And we're going to do it with the right attitude too. Man, that's awesome. So I thank, thank God for you guys are awesome. Y'all, y'all are, y'all are five-star, five-star believers in my book, okay? So watch this, watch this. It says uh, they meet new people and make them, help them feel welcome. They create a safe and comfortable setting where relationships can develop. They seek ways to connect people together into meaningful relationships. They set people at ease in unfamiliar surroundings. So what are their traits? We need some of these kind of people in the church. Friendly, gracious, inviting, trusting, caring, responsive, and warm. Is that you? Are you friendly? Are you gracious? Are you inviting? Are you caring? Are you responsive? Are you warm? Or are you cold? So what are the cautions? They should avoid viewing their gift as just entertaining. Hospitality is more than just cooking food for people and then having them come to your house, okay? They need to remember to ask God who he, who he wants them to befriend and serve because every situation doesn't call for you to, to, uh, to, to turn on that hospitality ministry gift. And, you know, and, and guys, I'm going to tell you, there's all kinds of situations, but be led of the Lord. There are times when I, I, I meet people and the Spirit of God will move my heart to bless them with something when they ask it. There are other times when I see them with a the sign, I just roll right on by. Because I didn't, you know, the Spirit of God told me that's a, that's a con game that you got going on. So you got to be prayerful to be able to understand what's happening uh, in the situation, okay? All right, and uh, it said, need to remember to ask God who he wants them to befriend and serve and should be careful not to cause stress in their own family. Should be careful not to cause stress in their own family. Let me read it one more time. Should be careful not to cause stress in their own family when inviting others into their home. Here's what I would tell you. You may have the ministry gift of hospitality, but you married, and your spouse is a part of the household too. So you don't just, just go and invite your cousin and I'm helping them out. You have them out for six months. That's a long commitment. All right. Now I'm not saying that you can't do that, but you need to, you need to connect with your spouse and see where, where they are on that. Okay. And you go around to them. Well, the, the Lord told me. Connect with your spouse. Okay. And y'all come to an agreement on that. Watch what the text says here. Go with me to First uh, Peter chapter four, verse nine and ten, and then we look at Hebrews thirteen one and two. We're gonna we're gonna call it a night, okay? Now watch this. Look, look look at this. EBC members. Oh, EBC members, especially EBC members that don't want nobody to come over your house. I'm talking to you right now. You've been in the house ten years. Ain't invited nobody over, except your cheering. All right. Watch what the text says. Let's remember, back up, back up. Let's, let's go back to, can we start at verse five? I think that's where I'm go. But remember that they will have to face God who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. Verse six, three. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die, like all people, they now live forever with God in the spirit. Seven, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Next verse. Most important of all, Continue to show deep love for each other. He's talking to the church there. For love does what? 
love will cover a multitude of sin. When you love people, sometimes you know they, they're, they're caught dead to rights. You could really slap them and be okay. But, no, not really, not really. Uh, but love comes up to the sin means that sometimes when you love people, you overlook stuff. And you notice with your children, you know, your children can do some devilish stuff, can make some horrible decisions, but your love still covers them, doesn't it? Come on, am I right about it? Some of y'all, you, 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 you went to the nth degree with your children. And you, you know, really, by all rights, you, biblically, you were correct in saying, okay, I'm through. But you went the 15th time with them and bailed them out, didn't you? Because love covers them up to the sin. Okay? Watch this. Next verse. Let's go. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, use them well to do what? To serve one another. Go to Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. We finish. Hebrews 13, verse 1 and 2. Oh, are y'all learning anything? I want you to study these spiritual gifts, okay? And, uh, and those who are going through this for the first time, if you have your book, um, we'll get together next week and, and make sure that you up. You did to your assessments correctly so we can identify your top three spiritual gifts, okay? Look at what he says here. Read out loud. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Verse two, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Okay, it's not all just people you know. Sometimes God will lead you to to share a meal with or invite somebody who you don't really know that well.